Welcome to Christian Holiness Sunday, where we post classic holiness sermons and writings of holiness preachers who are long gone. Today, a message from George Whitfield called Marks of a True Conversion. Stay tuned. Holiness is perhaps the most misunderstood concept in Christianity. Anyone who has striven to follow the life of Christ will tell you that it is impossible. No one can match His love, no one can match His grace, and no one can match the compassion of Christ. For no one but Jesus is perfect and holy. Once the believer is filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit, though, he or she is filled to the brim with the love of Christ and desires nothing more than to please God and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. The love of sin is then gone, and in its place is a love and compassion for others. That is Christian holiness. And this is Christian Holiness Daily. It occurs to me that while I am familiar with George Whitfield and his fellow evangelists, John and Charles Wesley, you may not be. These three men were responsible for the evangelical movement in America and in England in the mid-1700s. They are also responsible for what is called the Great Awakening, or in large part they are responsible for that. They preached as itinerant preachers throughout North America, first in England and then throughout North America, and they would set up tents, and it was a city-wide or area-wide attraction. And if hundreds of people attend, then hundreds of people would get saved or rededicate their lives to Christ. Whitfield received widespread, worldwide recognition during his ministry. He preached, get this, he preached at least 18,000 times, perhaps to as many as 10 million listeners in Great Britain and the Americas. He could enthrall large audiences. His speaking was a combination of drama, religious rhetoric, and a little bit of imperialism. Today we're going to take a look at one of his messages, and I do not pretend to emulate his manner of speaking. I'm simply going to read it. It is full of truth and full of things you may want to ponder. That message is called Marks of a True Conversion, and it's taken from the text found in Matthew 18.3 that says, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Here we go. I suppose I may take it for granted that all of you, among whom I am now about to preach the kingdom of God, are fully convinced that it is appointed for all men once to die, and that you all really believe that after death comes judgment, and that the consequences of that judgment will be that you must be doomed to dwell in the blackness or of darkness, or ascend to dwell with the blessed God forever and ever. I may take it for granted also that whatever your practice in common life may be, there is not one, though ever so profligate and abandoned, but hopes to go to that place, which the scriptures call heaven when he dies. And I think if I know anything of mine own heart, my heart's desire, as well as my prayer to God for you all, is that I may see you sitting down in the kingdom of our Heavenly Father with me. 
But then, though we all hope to go to heaven when we die, yet if we may judge by people's lives, and our Lord says that by their fruits we may know them, I'm afraid it will be found that thousands, maybe tens of thousands, who hope to go to this blessed place after death are not now in the way to it while they live. Though we call ourselves Christians and would consider it an affront put upon us for anyone to doubt whether we were Christian or not, yet there are a great many who bear the name of Christ that yet do not know so much as what real Christianity is. Hence it is that if you ask a great many people upon what their hopes of heaven are founded, they will tell you that they belong to this or that or the other denomination and are part of Christians into which Christendom is now unhappily divided. If you ask others upon what foundation they have built their hope of heaven, they will tell you that they have been baptized and that their fathers and mothers presented them to the Lord in their infancy. And though instead of fighting under Christ's banner, they have been fighting against him almost ever since they were baptized. Yet because they have been admitted into church and their names are registered on the book of the parish, they will make us believe that their names are also written in the book of life. But a great many who will not build their hopes of salvation upon such a sorry, rotten foundation as this, yet if they are what we generally call negatively good people, if they live so as their neighbors cannot say that they do anybody harm, they do not doubt, but they shall be happy when they die. Nay, I have found many such die, as the scripture speaks, without any hands in their death. And if a person is what the world calls an honest, moral man, if he does justly, and what the world calls love a little mercy, and then, if he in good nature reaches out his hand to the poor, receives the sacrament once or twice a year, and is outwardly sober and honest, the world looks upon such a one as a Christian indeed, and doubtless we are to judge charitably by such people. There are many likewise who go on in rounds of duty, a model of performances, that they think they shall go to heaven, but if you examine them, Though they have Christ in their heads, they do not have Christ in their hearts. The Lord Jesus knew this full well. He knew how desperately wicked and deceitful men's hearts were. He knew very well how many would go to hell even by the very gates of heaven. How many would climb up even to the door and go so near as to knock at that door. And yet, after all that, be dismissed with a verily, I know you not. The Lord therefore plainly tells us what great change must be wrought in us and what must be done for us before we can have any well-grounded hopes of entering the gates of heaven. Hence he tells Nicodemus that unless a man be born again and from above and unless a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And of all the solemn declarations of our Lord, I mean with respect to this, perhaps the words of this text are the most solemn. Except, says Christ, ye be converted and become as little children, ye cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. The words, those words, if you look back in context, are plainly directed at the disciples, for we are told that at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus. And I think it is plain from many parts of Scripture that these disciples 
to whom our Lord addressed himself at this time were in some degree converted before. If we take these words strictly, they are applicable only to those who have already gotten some, though but weak, faith in Christ. Our Lord means that though they have already tasted the grace of God, yet there was so much of the old man, so much indwelling sin, and so much corruption yet remaining in their hearts, that unless they were to move more converted than they were, unless a greater change passed upon their souls, and sanctification was still carried on, they could give but very little evidence of belonging to the kingdom, which was not to be set up in outward grandeur as they had supposed, but was to be a spiritual kingdom begun here, but completed in the kingdom of God hereafter. Though the words had a peculiar reference to our Lord's disciples, yet as our Lord makes such a declaration as this in other places in Scripture, especially in the Discourse to Nicodemus, I believe those words may be justly applied to saints and sinners, and I suppose that there are two sorts of people here now, some who know Christ and some of you that do not know him, some that are converted and some that are strangers to conversion. I shall endeavor to speak that if God shall be pleased to assist me and to give you an hearing ear and an obedient heart, both saints and sinners may have their portion. Well, that is an introduction, the introduction to George Whitfield's sermon, Marks of a True Conversion. We will continue with his sermon again next week on Christian Holiness Sunday. And join us Monday as we continue to talk about what does it mean to be saved? What happens to a Christian after he is saved? So long. For a transcript of today's podcast, visit ChristianHolinessDaily.com. Our theme music is called Dirty Mac and it's from the album BG Awaken. Our background music in today's episode was called Egmont Overture and was downloaded from a site called Incompetech.com under the royalty-free free music collections.